Paramount Pictures. My name's Ellie. It's my husband, Pete. Oh, we adopt three kids. Critics and audiences are falling in love with Instant Family. Mark Wahlberg, Rose Byrne, Octavia Spencer in a real-life story that's relatable and totally entertaining. Should we give them a kiss goodnight? You guys are overthinking this. It's heartwarming and hilarious. There you go. The biggest surprise of the holidays. We might have a little bit of a knack for this. Eh, I beg to differ. Instant Family in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. What's up, fool? We're here with Felipe Esparza Podcast. That was Voodoo Glow Skulls doing the theme song. Check them out at VoodooGlowSkulls.com for other shows. And for all the people who, for those people who listen to us in Chile, they were in Santiago, Chile. They killed that shit. 20,000 people to see them perform at a punk Orama show in Chile. All right. We're here with Rodrigo Torres, fool. What's up, fool? What's up, fool? How's your summer going so far? It's hot as hell today right here in Burbank, dog. I already started sweating right after I took a shower. Oh, man. I hate when it's that hot, dude, dude. man. What's the worst hot you felt when you said, you know what? I'm going to fucking shoot somebody, man, if they'll get out of my way. Working with Mondo at the post office and spraying down the um, on top of the building, the little corner where we're laying down the bird spike. Dude, it was hot, dude. My face got all sunburned. It was all reflected, dude. I looked like one of those Apaches after I was done, dog. But, um, yeah, funny, dude, I felt like spraying one of those fools. That's how bad it got. But I didn't, though. It's funny, man. When it gets really, really hot, man, Ugh. like, some people, they start wearing those visors because they don't want to think they're Prieto and shit. Yeah, doc. They might think they're from Oaxaca, you know, instead of Sinaloa. <laughs> Just go further south. What's up, people? We're here. What's up, fool, at the podcast with Felipe Esparza with Rodrigo Torres. We have a special guest today. Uh, we're doing. We're still talking about people, you know, who came out here to Hollywood, California, who moved out from another state, who came out here, you know, searching for that dream, man, whether to be like, or just people who just moved out to Hollywood because they got tired of living in the Midwest, or they just wanted a different life, or they had dreams, or, or. The struggle it is, man. Crazy stories, you know, about getting burned by promoters. Because, man, remember, dude, when we used to work, when we had to, one time we got paid and the promoter told us to hang our home. My homies are going to take make sure you guys get to the hotel, right? So we're, <laughs> we're in a bus with, like, a bunch of big thugs, you know, ex. I will say these guys could have been in the NFL but decided to be bodyguards instead. And, man, the Raiders had just lost. The playoffs game to New England, and it was Joey Coco Diaz and me and Rodrigo. And the whole time, these guys are telling us, "Man, yo, man, y'all want y'all need help spending that money, man? We're gonna we're gonna we know a couple of strip bars, a couple y'all, y'all like card games." <laughs> and the whole time, okay. Joe Diaz said, "Man, yo, listen, man, we're gonna just we're gonna go home, man. We gotta do raid in the morning." You know, Joe Diaz just answered them quick, man. Don't even worry about it. We're just going to go to the hotel. That's all we need. Thank you That's all much. we need, man. That's just, we, That's, that's all we need, man. That's we're going to get a burrito. We're going to go straight home. That's it. And we didn't know, man. To us, we're thinking about, okay, let's hang out. But I didn't know that <laughs> the whole plan was let's let's keep the money in Modesto. That's what I'm saying, dude. <laughs> Shit. We want to take a little bit of your change. 
What's up? Where's this fool? So, oh, this is um, this is um. We have here Danny Love, people. Danny, Danny Love. Love, musician. But let me tell you how I met him. I don't know if you remember meeting me. Actually, I was I, I was walking around in Burbank, <laughs> California. I was walking in Burbank, California, and this is before I was uh before I, I won last comic standing, I think, and before um, before the podcast and. I was walking wearing the same Kiss shirt I'm wearing right now. Right, right. The, the Kiss members wearing Dodger T-shirts, which I bought at Dodger Stadium when I was working at Dodger Stadium cooking hot dogs. <laughs> and I got to see the concert for free. Hell it was yeah. a 3D, people. It was badass. Like, I could feel, I could see Gene Simmons' tongue right in front of my face. That's it was 3D. Show, right? It was a Halloween show, the 98, yeah. right? It was a 98. I'd only been here, like, I want to say about three weeks. You were there? I was newbie to L.A. Did I you didn't go to the concert? To get, I didn't even know how to get to Dodger from Burbank. I, we almost got lost, like, on the way. But, so it's uh, crazy. So I was walking down the street, and I seen you. I, I met you while coming out of the Burbank AMC Theater. Or you were walking with a girl on a date. <laughs> you were someone. Right. And... Um, I, you saw my T-shirt, and I said, you, fought, you said, hell yeah, kiss. <laughs> and I said, I was at the concert, bro. And then you told me, you said, um, he goes, I'm in a kiss band. Kiss my ass. Yeah. Right? And I said, oh, shit, you look like fucking Paul Stanley, dog. <laughs> and you said, that's who I play. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was puckering at the time. Yeah. Away. Like, yeah, you <laughs> were Paul like, Stanley. yeah, it was cool, was bro. And I said, fuck bro. yeah. And I've always been like, into like rock bands. You know, I get excited to meet people who... Who love the band, you know, who are fans of the band. You never, like, living in L.A., you know, grew up in Boyle Heights. You, don't, you never run into rock bands. Like, you never say, oh, shit, last night, dog, me and Jim Simmons were doing coke out of some girl's ass, dog. You don't get stories like that, you know. You get stories like, what happened, bro? Oh, bro, I went to go see um, Kiss at, this, at the radio shop. And what happened, bro? Oh, man. Fucking those assholes from Killer West. They didn't want to give me a T-shirt, bro. I want to beat their ass. Who was it? Fraser Smith? No, it was an asshole. Mark and Bean. Or, or <laughs> Kevin and Bean, whatever their name was. So then, like, I thought, about, I, I thought about the podcast. You know, i never seen you again, but I looked up your band. And I thought about, oh, if I ever get a podcast, I'm going to invite this fool just to talk. <laughs> nice. You know, talk about stuff. That's and totally then... Nice. um. I saw you at that hot at that bar. Okay. At that bar, what's it called? That yeah, bar right here, Tony's. Tony's. Yeah. Tony's dark place. Yeah. And then I saw you, and I said, "Now." Nah. And then you stood out to me from everybody there. You worked there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I kind of yeah, but part time. But fuck yeah, man! I said I know this fool, and I don't want to look at you too much. <laughs> I don't want to be like, "Oh, the fucking starstruck, another starstruck fool." I know you mean crazy motherfuckers, you know, who are into you, you <laughs> yeah, know. I don't, I don't even remember seeing you there. Like, I know exactly, bro. I'm I'm I'm, I'm a forgettable, bro. That's how hard I work. Forget about that's me. That's how hard I work. You know, Mexicans work hard, man. He focused. <laughs> so I said, man, I told him my girlfriend. That's him, man. I said, who fucking kissed my ass? <laughs> so we went to go look you up. And I said, fuck yeah. I got to have this for the podcast. See what's up. And then you, I found out that you're from fucking Garden City, Kansas. Yeah, for sure. Dude, I performed there before. So, no, I, I kind of I heard that. And I wanted to know, like, where? Where'd you? At a, at a, it was like almost a, nowhere to perform there. I know, bro. <laughs> it was like they must have no zoning laws in Garden City. <laughs> but I think it was like a, like a, like a school. They okay. ran out the hall, but oh, wow. the back is like a playground. I know it's like a playground or a daycare, and it's in the middle of nowhere, of course. Everybody parks on the dirt, uh -huh. and it's run by one Mexican <laughs> promoter, and he has bands there, and he's the only promoter there. Uh -huh. 
And it's funny because he said that he always wanted to book Gabriel Iglesias there. But Gabriel Iglesias was too fat to fit in a plane. <laughs> so he got Felipe. Yeah, it's a little prop, oh, oh, propeller yeah. plane. Yeah. It's yeah, like, you can't fly. I phone it all the time. It's this little charter airplane. Yeah, you can't fly in. By the way, people, if you're thinking about going to vacation in Garden City, <laughs> you cannot drive. You cannot fly in to Garden City. You got to fly into Dodge, Kansas, or Lincoln, or, or another place, and then you drive for 48 minutes. Oh, wow. And whoever's driving you, they always talk about how great their chili is. And I'm like, dude, you can't compare chili from Cooking Garden City to a guy who snuck into America. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when I'm there at Garden City, you know, bro, I couldn't believe I found drugs right away. Nice. And um, the beer was extremely cheap. Like, it was like $3 for a Budweiser, yeah, $4 for Corona. And so that's your town, bro. Tell us yeah, about growing yeah, up in uh, Garden City. First of all, how do Mexicans <laughs> get to Garden City, bro? Yeah, that's like, that's like the first question anyone in L.A. asks me. They're like, okay. <laughs> well, they first say, wait, you're, you're Latino? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, you, aren't you Armenian? I'm like, no, man. Like, come on. And then the second <laughs> question is, okay, okay, so you're Mexican. Like, where are you from? I'm like, Kansas. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. Let's rewind. There's Mexicans in Kansas? And I'm like, yeah, you didn't know that? So, well, basically, my family um, moved up uh, from Mexico. Um, half of uh, my siblings. I'm the youngest of eight kids. Damn. Uh, the four oldest uh, kids were born in Mexico. And then my parents uh, moved up here through Texas, uh, Oklahoma, and they ultimately settled in Kansas. Um, the largest beef packing plant in, um, in the U.S. Was, that was your uh, father, right, with eight kids, yeah, beef packing? Well, yeah. <laughs> He's potent. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he ended up finding work at a, at a at a beef packing plant, which is now a Tyson uh, uh, plant. But uh, yeah, it, uh, a lot of a lot of Latinos. It was so a, one of those slaughter companies where they just hire illegals, huh? They don't care. Well, you know, no. I mean, uh, everybody. I, like, right. My dad had his green card. I mean, back then it was easier to get your papers or to be a resident, kind of like worker. And especially out there, all the agriculture. It's it, it's it's a lot different than out here. I think I see more. Um, uh, I want to say paperless people out here. It starts yeah. going up, then they go, start. Yeah, now now it's. It, I, I would this say is like the, the hub. 10, Twenty years, it's just it's so hard. I have cousins that used to come up and back. That's like, why I wonder, like, how do people survive work. way over there being illegal? Man, I get caught. They must just keep it on a down low, huh? You have to. You, you know? don't go so out. So your dad worked at the at the warehouse there at the yeah, beef cut, packing place. He cut the same piece of meat for uh, you know thirty years. Um, God bless him. He's retired now. My mom and dad are still together. Um, they're still there in Garden City, Kansas. I get out there and see them every now and then. But uh, all my family basically lives out there. Um, I'm just still here, <laughs> still fighting my way, living the dream. When did you decide, you know, man, I'm leaving Kansas and going to Oz? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's see. Back in, I think it was 97, we, uh, uh, a lot of my friends and, and my three older brothers, we all did this trip. It was like 12 guys. We did Vegas. And then we rented a van, and then we came over here just to check out Hollywood. And then uh, one of my brothers um, decided, hey, uh, I don't want to go to college anymore. I want to you know, do acting, and I want to try my luck at that. So a year after that, he said, okay, I'm ready. I'm moving. And I was playing in a, um, uh, like a, like a cover band, but it was like all Spanish. It was like Tejano music. You know, it was like cumbias. Um, rancheras, all that stuff. La you know? mafia. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff from like Los Tigres del Norte, Los Temerarios, oh, yeah. Bukis, uh, La Sonora Dinamita. I was playing since uh, I think I was like 17 
for six Bobby years. Pulido. I was playing professionally. Um, but I was playing all the clubs. All the clubs, like, and the clubs where you get stabbed. You know, the clubs that, like, where, you know, you know deals are going down. There's a lot of trafficking going on. I was playing there and going to high school. So anyway, uh, cutting to the chase is, like, my brother decided to move out here. I said, I'm going with you. He's like, he's like what are you going to do, leave your band? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, because I was feeling, I grew up with a lot of rock and roll. You know, my heart and soul was in Motley Crue, Van Halen, Kiss. What was your first record, course. dude? Uh, well, my older brothers were DJs, so I never really had to buy records. I think the first actual record I went out and bought, uh, it was probably, no, it wasn't Slippery One. I think it was New Jersey by Bon Jovi. Damn. But it was on CD by that point, and it was a big, tall you know, CD thing. But which one, the, like, which one was the first rock album that you, your brother got you? Oh, you said, damn. Um, Where it started, dude. Where you became rock and roll. Well, it had a bit. It, it, honestly, it had to have been a Kiss record. It was probably <laughs> alive. It was probably alive. You know, alive one. I think it was damn. the first one I ever remember. I used to fall asleep under uh, my parents' coffee table. <laughs> and we had one uh, tape deck of, uh, that my cousins had left of Alive 2. It was the B-side or the second tape. So it had only half the live songs and then half like studio songs. It wasn't the main songs, um, but I used to fall asleep under this little coffee table and hear the, you remember those eight tracks where you have the green lights yeah. and then you, and then when it changed tracks, it would actually click over. Yeah. But I, I still remember that when I was a kid, but uh, you know, growing up in Kansas, we, we didn't have a TV. So we basically, uh, it was good that I have, you know, three older brothers. Uh, we used to all get up and, and, and get our uh, sister's makeup. And uh, put it on, grab the brooms, <laughs> and uh, and put the A track on and perform for our parents right in the living room. So growing up, I always wanted you know to do music um, or anything that had to do with art and entertainment. Um, I picked up a guitar, I think, at 12. My mom uh, went down to Mexico, and she they would always bring us shoes for Christmas back, you know, right there at the border in Acuna. And she was like, "Hey, so what do you guys want Acuna. this year?" Yeah, right there, right on the other side of... I did uh, a show at the Acuna, bro. I did a show at Del, Del Rio and oh, Uvalde. Yeah, yeah. Del Rio. It's gangster over there. <laughs> yeah, I, I've not been there in years, but uh, she brought me a guitar back, and it sat there for about a year. I had a cousin that came down, and he showed me how to play La Bamba, and that was the first song I think I ever learned. And, I uh, think that's the first song a lot of Mexicans learn know, when they right? learn how to play a guitar. Uh, <laughs> La Bamba is like the Mexican Stairway to Heaven. Let's rewind. Let's rewind. No, the first song I ever learned was Stairway to Heaven. It was just this Everybody, thing. man. I think I was 12 years old. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, ever since then, um, you know, I always wanted to be in a, in a rock and roll band. I think um, getting all that experience and playing, you know, to, you know, two, three thousand Latinos and, and, and seeing it all, you know, firsthand how it is and, and fighting your way through bars. Now, I remember getting in fights and we used to have to, like, hit people with, with guitars and hit them with the mic stands if it got you know, too much onto the stage. Um, <laughs> it was brutal. It was brutal growing up down there. Um, but ultimately, I wanted to come to L.A. and uh, put together something that I don't think, or I didn't think existed at the time. You know, I know there was Spanish rock, of course. Yeah. Um, but to me, every time I'd hear it, I'd always say, okay, that's great, but it's missing something. You know, we're, we're you know, crank it up to 11, and then let's play. Um, so coming from like you know bands like kiss van halen acdc all the 80s stuff plus i i always love you know the entertainment side of like uh you know like elvis and whatnot you know bigger than life costumes and and all that stuff like kiss i said well you know i, I want to bring something in spanish but that has that feeling of the sunset strip like motley Crue did um so I, I i decided to put together a band that uh that i thought you know might be that and i, I put together matador 
Malrur. Matador. Yeah. So I actually was here uh, in L.A. for one year, and I think I was just waiting tables at uh, Acapulco restaurant. And in Hollywood? Uh, no, actually right there across NBC. Oh, yeah? yeah? Right there on Olive and Burbank. A and, popular um, one. Yeah. And uh, well, what happened was um, I ended up moving back because that's when Pro Tools came out, I think, you know. And my brother back home said, hey, I got this new software. Come down and record some demos for free. So I was like, okay. What year, was that? what year was that? Oh, God. Well, that was, um, well, that was not like 99. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I recorded, like, I wrote like 10 songs. Hell yeah. Um, we recorded some demos. I came back up here later that year. And um, I put together a band. Uh, I started working at, at Vivid. I got so many stories. We could go here for days. Yeah. But like... I came back, a friend of mine that actually uh, was working at a temp a replacement agency, you know, temp agency, um, and she was from Kansas. I never knew her. Uh, what was her said, name? Dorothy? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> she had she little red shoes. Like three times. <laughs> but she sent me over. She was like, well, do you know anything about, like, you know, how many t words do you type per minute? And I was like, I've never had an office job at that point. So I was like, I don't know. What's, what, what's you know, medium? You know, she's like, I don't know, like 30 words or something like that. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's put that down. And so she helped me get this job at this office, and I didn't know what it was about. So, and she's like, okay, last question, because you fill out the, all these questions, right? And, you know, they test you on filing systems and all that shit. So last question was, okay, are you comfortable with adult? I go, what do you mean adult? Like adults? And she's <laughs> like, no, like adult material. And I was like, what do you mean, like porn? She's like, yeah. And I was like, I'm pretty comfortable. Why? She's like, okay, well, go to this place and you can start working there for like three months. So it's in the accounting department. I'm filing, I'm filing, you know, paperwork, you know, payables and receivables. All of a sudden, I see this hot chick walk into the office to Rayleigh. pick up a check. Close. It was Janine. Damn, when she was hot. Huh? Yeah, yeah. This was still when she was, yeah. Not fighting. But, um, <laughs> so ultimately, she comes in and. I'm like, who is it? Where am I at? And I didn't know what Vivid really was, you know, because we didn't get that back in Kansas. We just got, like, <laughs> we got all those comps, those four-hour comp tapes, you know. I and hate those, man. We got those little, little quick jerk-off tapes, you know. You didn't get the whole storyline <laughs> and all that shit. Tapes. Those always show too much with a guy's ass. <laughs> <laughs> the comp tapes. Yeah. So, ultimately, they ended up keeping me. I ended up being the assistant to the national sales manager. You a buffer? Yeah, right. <laughs> no. <laughs> I ended up becoming a sales assistant. So Damn. I ended up working for Vivid for a few years. Selling porn? Yeah. Slang and porn. We, we call it, you know, pushing tape back then. Because it, it was VHS back then. Well, and here's the cool thing. So My dad packed meat. I sold videos <laughs> so people could pack their meat. The funny thing Packers. is this. Is, um, from Green Bay. Vivid used to be right here in Van Nuys. And these old like, little warehouses. So there was two sections. There was the VHS side where I worked. So you probably know a friend of ours named... Um, Yoshi, Asian guy. Wait, that sounds familiar. He worked for he Evil like, Angel. He, he did yeah. accounting too. Yeah, he, he's a comedian named Yoshi. He's yeah, he to Seattle. The way he Japanese got in with dude. the way he got in with us was by giving us porn. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> dog. Yeah. He go he'll, he'll walk out to us. Hey, Felipe, can you do five minutes? Yeah, where you got any porn? And you give yeah. us porn. Dude, that's a how I was. That that's how I was selling my demos. I'd be like, you know, take this demo, buy this demo, or whatever, and here's a free, you know, here's a free tape. So what you do at Vivid for? Uh, I ended up, you know, I was I was uh, the assistant to the national sales manager uh, for a few years, and then. Um, Ultimately, I ended up leaving and, and just and going to other companies and actually becoming a sales guy myself. So uh, I lasted in that industry around 12 years Damn. Um, with different companies, uh, just selling, well, DVDs at the time. 
The cool, the cool thing is when I did work at Vivid. They put um, you in a movie. There was this, <laughs> no, there was this kid. Almost. There was this kid. There was this kid that said. Who uh, said almost? All sad. <laughs> there, there was, almost. There was this kid that I Damn. knew, that, and he kind of looked like Beck, from what I recall, like Beck, right? And he was like, "Hey, totally. he's like, I know a bigger Kiss fan than you." And I was like, "The hell you do." <laughs> and he was like, "Who?" And he goes, "He works here. He works on the other side of the, uh, you know, of the offices. He works in the in like the DVD side." And I was like. Show him to me right now. I'll be right back. You know, I was like on a mission. I was like, who the hell is this guy? So I went over there. He put, put on his wristbands. And, um, he was a publicist. He was, I think he was a publicist uh, for like the DVD or online side. Um, Ed Solis, um, which ultimately uh, he, uh, he ended up becoming a bass player on Matador. You know, and we're still friends to this day. But it was just interesting that um, he grew up out here in, uh, in L.A. And I showed him Matador. And he really didn't speak Spanish, as, or he understands it, but he doesn't speak it as much. Because most Latinos, I think, that grew up in L.A. <laughs> but uh, he liked the music. He liked what he heard, and we ended up putting, you know, a band together. How much of a big uh, Kiss fan was he that you said, yeah, oh, he huge, likes Kiss? Huge, huge, absolutely. He had a prosthetic uh, You know, tongue. we still fight to this day. <laughs> we still fight. Just to ah, like, we're still like, well, do you have this? Oh, well, do what? you have... Like I'm like, well, do you have a belt buckle from 1979 original issue, a coin limited edition? You know, and he's like, no, but do you have this? You know, this fool said, hold on, man, let me call Vinnie Vincent on <laughs> phone for you. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell him. One Onyx. time he's like, he shows me his cell phone. He's like, but do you have Gene Simmons' number? Damn. Damn. I met Gene Simmons one time at the at the Improv. He was there with his wife, or not his wife, but the lady he's always with, mm. the one from the show. Yeah. And, he, and he said, the, and it was funny when I tell this joke to people, and I said, man, man this guy does that joke every time. Because <laughs> I asked him, Chief Silver, let me see your tongue. And he goes, I can't right now. The floor's dirty. The floor's dirty, dirty. yeah. Yeah. Don't know. <laughs> but I'm bumps. <laughs> so, wow, man, so what's it like? So, you, you, you have actually have a kiss collection? I do. Memorabilia? I do. It's uh, it's all boxed. How about the up, cards? Yeah, the baseball cards, kids' baseball cards. Oh yeah, I do. I have all some. Right. I have all that. I mean, you, you know, it's so funny. How about the baseball cards that came out in discs? Remember the one that looked like no. a record? Like that cards. I don't have. Actually, it was candy, right? It looked. It was gum. It was, was like an album gum. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't have those. But what's funny is every time I, I say okay, like. More stuff in this house is starting to look like it's a Kiss museum. So I start packing stuff away and say, no, I got to <laughs> let my own, you know, personality come out. Then people start giving me gifts, you know, the Kiss tie, Kiss socks, and, you know, <laughs> a Kiss eye patch. So I'll get everything, you know, there is. And now I just got uh, too much stuff. I'm keeping this Kiss shirt. <laughs> <laughs> the only one I have. And what gave rise to your, uh, the Kiss tribute band? Um, well... There was, a, there was a point where uh, we were doing Matador for a while. My drummer ended up quitting right before this album had came out. And uh, we kind of couldn't push it except as a trio because we were, we were four guys. Okay. Um, uh, so we ended up just doing acoustic shows, but that w really wasn't cutting it. So we went on this little hiatus, and I was like, okay, I was kind of down in the dumps. I said, well, wh what should I do next? And everyone would always hear me sing, like, you know, Kiss or Paul Stanley stuff. And they're like, why don't you put together a tribute band? I'm like, I'm over it. Like, I, I don't... <laughs> Number one, I'm not as tall as Paul. Number two, you know, I, I don't. I didn't like tribute bands myself. Like I hated seeing Kiss tribute bands. I because hosted. I was, I'm so critical. I Hell yeah. I did a show, a comedy show in Long Beach, where it was an all tribute band show, mm -hmm. and it was hot outside. But those were some good ones, man. Like No Doubt, they were oh, nice. called No Duh. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I've and I have a joke with my brother's gay. 
And I would joke that he's in a he's in like in a gay Ramones cover band. They're called the Mamones. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But some of them are awesome, man. Like yeah. some no, of it takes are... a lot. It really does. Um, I ultimately put together a, a, a Kiss tribute band because I just put it out there in Craigslist. I said, hey, but I don't want to do makeup. I don't want to do costumes. I couldn't afford it, you know. So I put together uh, what they did on you know the Kiss uh, MTV Unplugged. Um, I figured I'd look enough like Paul without yeah. makeup that hey, why not? So it was all acoustic stuff. I named it Acoustic at the time, and I was working. That's a good one. I was working, yeah. uh, I was working cool. at Vivid. We were at the AVNs. Kira Kenner brought Gene as a date at that at that show. He sat at our table with Vivid, and I told him about this uh, Kiss tribute that I came up with. Acoustic. It's like a Kiss acoustic, and he's <laughs> like, "Why don't you just name it Kiss Unplugged?" And I'm like, "Well, I figure you might sue me." He's like, mm, "I'll let you have this one." And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, cool." Oh, so, right, dude. Um, it ended up becoming Kiss Unplugged. We played for a few years. Did uh, did actually a Dimebag uh, uh, Daryl tribute out at the joint uh, that year, I, I believe. Um, and uh, we just kind of kicked it off from there. And then it evolved into me joining uh, an actual full-on tribute band that had the Destroyer costumes and all that. And and from there, it just it just kept going. Badass, huh? Well, the coolest thing about the Kiss My Ass thing out here in, in, in Hollywood was that we went for all eras, like... Um, for example, we did a show at the Rainbow, and we would do albums back to back. Like we would do "Dress to Kill" night, and so we would go upstairs to the uh, you know top floor of the uh, Rainbow on Sunset, get in the suit and ties and Kiss makeup, and and do every song off that album. Which Kiss probably doesn't even do that. Right. You know, there's songs that they choose not to do. We w- we go ahead and we did them. Um, with suits. Which one? That's badass. Suits, album. Yeah, yeah, bad album sure. too, man. When they're looking sure. down with the suits, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Kiss My Ass has always been just a fun project to do. It's always, it, you know, even in L.A., it's just it's a way to make money. It's a way to just keep doing what you're doing and, you know, just keep pressing forward and make some coin, you know. Besides, you know, if I could be anyone else besides me, I would be Paul Stanley. <laughs> Paul Stanley's oh, a bad motherfucker, yeah. He's dude. a bad motherfucker, oh, he's so man. Great. I just met him uh, this last weekend at a book signing, so... I think I'm, uh, you know, I, I shook his hand and I was hoping to get that star child mojo rub off on me, you know? <laughs> I said mojo, dog. You were like, be somebody that's, that says, nah, dude, my favorite member is Peter Chris. <laughs> <laughs> there's always one. There's always, there's one. always one. Listen, right? what's that joke that they're like, that they're like, nobody wants to be Peter Chris. Not even Peter Chris. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you were like, you were like, um, <clears throat> so. When you were like party, when you came here to Hollywood, you ever like said, "Damn, man, these motherfuckers out here party." Oh yeah, no, for sure. I mean, in the beginning, it was it wasn't as you know presentable or 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 even that you know I wasn't around it as much. I would say I think I was always focused and determined, and and you know I, I was just I had that one direction to follow. So I was never consumed by anything other than alcohol. Um, there was a point where uh, you know. When things stop happening, when the wheels stop turning or slow down a little bit, then there's room for there's a lot of room for error, I believe. So that's when you start hanging around the wrong crowds, you start hanging around too long, and then that's when you start getting in trouble. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, I guess I could sit here and tell you story after story. I'm sure you guys know exactly what it's like out here. But uh, you just gotta you know stay focused and 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 say okay, where where do I want to be tomorrow? How do I want to feel about it tomorrow? You know, and, and sometimes you just got to cash in and say, hey, you know, I'll see you tomorrow. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I've, I've, I've gotten in, in, into those situations where it's, it's tough to say no. 
Did you ever like, like, did you ever like uh, have friends that came out here and they just disappeared now into yeah, that world? It's interesting. Um, there was a guy uh, that grew up with one of my oldest brothers, and I, a couple years after I had moved, uh, not moved, uh, well, a couple years after I had moved here, I visited, and uh, back home in Kansas, I visited there, and I ran into a guy that um, went to school with one of my older brothers, and uh, he was just like, he was, you could tell that, you know, L.A. had gotten to him, and he was telling me, you know, all the stories and all the drama that had happened and whatnot, all these horror stories, but, you know, you just got to say, well, that was you. Maybe you couldn't handle it. And <laughs> I, I, For reals, bro. Yeah. You make, it makes a lot of sense right there. there. It does. It does. I, like you, you, I mean, like you meet these old, bitter fools. Nah, man, it ain't for you. Yeah, nah, yeah, motherfucker, no, it ain't sure. for you, like, dog. Yeah, no, you ain't going to last. That makes a lot of sense <laughs> right there, bro. You have yeah. to know I'll how to take what. that shit in, I tell dude. I'll tell you what, like, honestly, to anyone haters. listening out there, like, it's like. Tell them, bro. You know, because <laughs> I would meet like I'm gonna drop some, get, some because in '05 I was at that point in '05. You know, I went to the Montreal Comedy Festival and I and I was like, when I was if I would have went there uh, like when uh, uh, good in my head, things mm-hmm. would have went great for me, right? But I was already partying, like expecting nothing good to happen. Yeah. So uh, I was over there and I was partying my ass off, and I would, I would meet people who had bad luck. And they always mm-hmm. tell me, nah, bro, I'm going to go back to construction. Or always tell me bad stories, like, oh, I'm going to go back to teaching. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and that's, that's all stuff that I can't do. Yeah. I don't know construction. I didn't even graduate from high school. Yeah. I need people to teach me. You know what's funny is, is when you're when – you're It ain't for you, Paul. Yeah, w- there's like, only one Paul Stanley, dog. <laughs> and there's only one Zanny Love. Come on. You know, ultimately, <laughs> <laughs> ultimately no, uh, when you're in that kind of state of mind, you start to slip on the idea that, like, I can make it. You start questioning yourself too much. And I that's what, that I, that's shit, what I started man. doing. I was just like, okay, maybe I need to go do this. Maybe I need to go do that. Maybe I need to go back to school. Who knows? Maybe like, I should take improv classes. Yeah. <laughs> Start, maybe, maybe you know what? I know what. So maybe we should start a comedy class. <laughs> Get rid of these four walls. That's, you know what? It's so interesting. I, I was going to ask you about that because you know I jog a, like a lot, like religiously, and I was running right here down Magnolia Street, and I seen this uh, sign that was out on the sidewalk. You know those the stand-up yeah. signs, and it said, uh, "Learn stand-up comedy only." I don't know, nine ninety nine or whatever. I don't know what it said, something like that. But I was He's like, robbing your ass without a pistol. Yeah, and I was thinking, okay, wait, you can learn because I don't know nothing about comedy. Um, I was like, you can learn, like you can learn that. Like I thought it was something that you you have, like you. I know, I know you guys have it, but isn't it something that you, you're born and you're desired to, to do? Right? Yeah, there's so, you, something that when you're born, like you're a comedian. There's a lot of different. There's funny guys out there, you know, who are funny, you know, but they're just funny. You know, but then there's comedians who know how to transfer that funniness mm-hmm. into an actual comedy act. Ah, okay. You know what I mean? Okay. And that's yeah, different. Yeah, just threw me for a second. I was like, oh, wow, they teach. They teach. Maybe but, I should be doing that. But those people, with, <laughs> man, it's, it's, it's like a Ponzi scheme, man. <laughs> you know, comedy classes are like a Ponzi scheme, man. Right? When you get like 10 people that want to be comedians, and you got that one guy who's the actual comedian, yeah. and he's telling them, you know, oh, that's funny, that's funny. That's funny. You know, and he sets them up for a comedy show, 
yeah, man, we're going to have agents there. I'm going to tape your comedy yeah. show. It's, it's pretty like one of those pack 50-50 deals. You know, those, it's, it's uh, interesting because I, I find it's the same thing with those all, all these reality shows, like these music shows that are out there. Because ever since like they came out, I remember when Air American Idol first came out and everyone was like, well, why don't you go? And I, I exceeded the age limit at the time. They, they were only taken up to like, say, 24 years old. I think I was 25 or something like that. Should have lied, dog. I know, right? But ultimately, like, I, I always listen to, you know, all the old school guys, you know, my heroes and that said, you know, we don't like these shows for, for, the, for the reason that you don't get to put in all the work that you would normally do working the circuit, you know, working those bars, getting not paid, and, and, and dealing with all the bullshit of, 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 you know, travels and road and managers and, and, and promoters and all that shit and getting just dicked over. You know, you don't learn that on, you don't learn that. on those don't stages. Know. You know, they just want you to do something, something you know, you become Yeah, you become solid doing it yeah. the traditional way. Not so that's kind of what's kept me from actually doing a lot of those shows. You know, I figure if I'm going to make it, I, let me rewind. I figure when, I'm, when I make it, you know, it's not going to be because of some TV show. It's going to be because, you know, um, my music itself is going to trans, you know, transpire throughout, you know, uh, the world. That was a good point you made right there, you know, like, just say, for example, a kid who wins a reality show who's never dealt with chasing a, a, a booker to the ATM for your money or <laughs> or or or, do, or performing on... Getting sandwiches or something. That's right. You know, or like, Wait, or <laughs> a, a young person who just won a reality show for music will never know what's it like for somebody to walk up to him and go, Hey, man, can you work with me? Yeah. And do they have the full amount of money? For sure. You know, man? That's why a lot of people, you know, they say, well, this comedian, this guy became an asshole once he made it. Nah, he didn't become an asshole right away, man. He just know what he wants now. Yeah. He ain't going to deal with bullshit. He ain't going to deal with no bullshit no more. That's exactly how it is. I mean, ultimately, like right now, um, as far as even playing out lately, you like the way I look at things is I got to pick and choose my shows. I can't just oh, go out. Yeah. I'd rather actually play at a coffee shop with an acoustic guitar and just myself than try to put together some – some event with when I got to, you know, call like four other guys or three other guys oh, and, yeah. and then work it to where we're actually finally playing the show and then we get screwed over big time. You yeah, know, people, people get it twisted. It's not that you're a dick now. It's that you yeah. have a standard now. Sure. Um, like I know this comedian and you know that um, that no matter what show he does, every comedy show he does, mm -hmm. they got to buy him Air Force 100s, Nikes. Oh, wow. Nike Air Force 100. Like, if it's doing two shows, they got to be a pair of solid oh, white these on my Nike Air Force 100s. And, 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 and with the Nike swoosh on it. And a lot of people say, well, that comedian is, he, he's asking for too much. Or <laughs> this comedian, you know, is being, you know, anal about it. You know how I see it? I see it like this. If that comedian gets a those shoes every time, it doesn't mean that I want that. It means that that guy right there, he, he's he's getting nailed on the cross for us, yeah. Because now after that, they gotta read every every contract now. Because what if I ask for something I don't get it? I'm gonna be asking for shoes now to to <laughs> prove to this asshole who didn't read the contract yeah. that I asked for this. That's true. And I always say this, you know, if you don't treat me right, I'm gonna be that guy. I'm going to be that guy that's going to ask for a waist 40, 30 weight length pants wherever he goes. Wherever I go, I want a fucking waist 40 waist corduroy pants with a length of 30 weight, a length of 30 leg, you know, if I don't get what I want. 
You know, I want this guy, whoever gets to 100 Air Force Ones, to keep asking for it and keep <laughs> getting them, man. Yeah. Because you deserve it, God damn it. <laughs> you deserve it. You deserve that and more. So sometimes, man, like I did a show one time and this guy, on the, he, he didn't want to take us to go grab a, a soda at the gas station on the way to the hotel. There you go. And then he goes, oh, man, you know, I already punched out. No, motherfucker. If I'm still in your fucking car, you have not punched out. <laughs> we didn't even get in the car yet, dog. We didn't get in, in the car yet, guys. Yeah, I'm quite a busy, man. I got a date, guys. I got a date. I have a date. I said, listen, Be man, not. you don't have no date, okay, man? <laughs> you have a date with your fucking hand. Oh, so, dude. man, so what's it like, man, like nowadays? Nowadays, it's, it's actually pretty cool. You know, I went through a... a you got a big-ass fucking house, bro. <laughs> well, cool, it's not mine. Though. You got a Corvette and shit? <laughs> I'm kidding. No, we, 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 we could have scratched this off, man. It's an IRS. <laughs> my neighbors. You got this red did, Corvette we're, over we're there? Living in like, we're in Reseda. We're in like red... <laughs> you got a red Corvette looking lick, lick, like fucking... Uh, Prince. <laughs> Johnny Redcorn and shit. <laughs> living a Johnny Redcorn lifestyle. <laughs> You know what? I, I, you showed up to the trailer, huh? I, I can honestly say life life's been good to me. You know, I, I've I've gone through my ups and I, I've recently gone through some downs. Remember, people, if you don't do drugs yeah. and search for that Hollywood dream, things are going to be all right. Yeah, you know, things do change up pretty fucking quickly out here. They do. Shit is crazy you, yeah, out here. When you Did you realize it? how much people are bullshitters compared to Guardian Cities? When you got here? <laughs> oh, the first lie! You're gonna make it, Paul. We're gonna put you in a movie, almost. <laughs> No, uh, but I mean, it's you want to fuck Janine or what? Good to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, hanging out, hanging out, and, you know, with porn chicks and uh, rocking on. You get on some, sunset. bro? Like a little, a little, a little side action? Always, you know. Oh you man, which one, bro? You know, you can't. Be you can't like work the... at a cookie factory and not taste. You That's know, what I'm saying. I heard about into some into the food. You ever get like dudes go after you and say, hey, "Bro, <laughs> grab your hair and give me yeah, that, that, Hey, I, some I, of these porn guys, they do both, huh? They do gay and straight. Some dudes, yeah. Give us some names. This but then they were like, I'm sorry, bro, like all that time you were there, nobody said, man, you know what, bro, how about you put on some fucking Paul Stanley makeup and get in this video, bro. We call this fucking porno Kiss Army. <laughs> Kiss you Bang. Know, you know, it's so funny. I was, uh, I was out in, uh, in New York, and we were, we were on a trip selling to different stores and whatnot, different porn shops out there. And um, I came across a video called, it, w- it was a peeing video. It was called Piss Army. Instead of the kiss on it was a, it was I thought that a was peeing so, video. I thought that was so genius. I was gonna get it from one of my friends, but when I really looked at the cover, it was some guy peeing in another guy's mouth. I was like, okay, now I can't get this. Oh, I yeah. can't even go up to the counter and purchase this. Yeah, but they were just crazy. peeing That's each other, crazy. right? They were not really having sex, right? <laughs> it was guy on girl would have been yeah, cool, but nah, nah, yeah, nah, nah. Piss army, cool, little different. <laughs> Trying to psych me out right now. People who are listening right now are going to ex- are going to Pornhub and next video looking for that piss army right now. <laughs> piss army. Where can I find it? Danny loves that. <laughs> so it's crazy, man. Like, so, so you, you were actually going to, like a salesman selling porn. Did you ever like run into mobsters like they were trying to muscle you? Were like, hey man, we want a percentage. Hey, hey, yeah, hey. You know, because you know, I, I know that they say that the mob is involved in porno, sure. but this is in the seventies. Yeah. I'm pretty sure not now, right? Mm, I don't know. I mean, it, it, did you ever run into Donald Sterling and <laughs> shit? Hey man, <laughs> hey, man. 
I don't know. It's been a while since I've been in the industry. But they were like, <laughs> they were like, they were like mobsters, you know. You just like someone like the Iceman show up and shit, <laughs> pick up an envelope. They're groupies, bro, for for accountants who work at a vivid, right? vivid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> groupies that work at. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that there's groupies everywhere in, in everyday life. You know, I could be at the gas station and I. You got I a groupie right here, bro. Some, follow you to you the book at, that Burbank bar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I get starstruck, bro. I don't give a fuck who you are, man. If I like <laughs> you, man, what's up, dog? You're fuck kiss my ass, dog. Don't fucking lie to me. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't want to approach you that way. When you were working, I said, yeah. I said, nah, man, I would embarrass this guy. I go, bro, oh, you no fucking way. kiss my ass, dog. <laughs> yeah, man. So, like, when you were like, when did you do, like, first pick up a guitar and said, man, I want to rock? Because <laughs> I know, man, the first time I picked up, I I, picked, I saw Bill Cosby do a a, a comedy special on record, mm-hmm. on a little Fisher Price. And you know what, man? I remember these jokes. I could remember my jokes if I start writing them. I won't be a fucking comedian, man. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think I was like, I would think I was sixteen when I actually could play, you know, a song, and uh, I had um, some classmates in, uh, from school that knocked on my door. And I guess they were looking for a guitarist because they were putting this uh, band together of like just Spanish music, um, just covers and stuff like that. What was the name oh, of that yes. first, first Spanish band? It was uh, called Ritmo Latino. And, Ritmo uh, Latino. Yeah. And uh, they knocked on my door and they said, hey, we heard that you play guitar. And I was, I was like, no, not really. I actually play bass. And they're like, well, we need a guitarist. And I said, well, I'll come out and check it out. So um, we got together and it was like, I think there was like 10 or 12 people in the band at the time. And we, we, banda. We, yeah, it was pretty much so that. There was an accordion we, player? Yeah, no, uh, there was just like a couple keyboardists and, and you know, drummer, percussionist, bassist. And, like, three Cumbia singers. King cover band. It was pretty much like that. And uh, we did uh-huh, all the songs. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, pl- I played with those guys for years and we recorded a couple songs. That's where I started learning how to write songs. I would get in my bedroom and, um, and, and just re- rehearse. Like, I never had a real microphone back then. I used to uh, have this realistic uh, mic from radio. Oh, my God. I heard realistic. Yeah, that had the cable attached to it. A little auxiliary and shit. Right. And then I had a little, you know, those old Sony or whatever tape. Radio Shack, realistic. And I never had a a mic stand, so I'd go outside, and and I found this, like, long piece of uh, of wood, and and I duct taped that microphone, and I... I didn't have a mic stand, so I had to I had to open up one of my you know drawers. MacGyver that shit. And I totally did, and then so I, I put the thing in there. I closed the drawer and I duct taped the hell out of everything just to make it kind of like level, like a roadie and with hang skills. Over my bed and sing like that. Um, but ultimately, I started writing songs, and I thought that like or poems, I should say, and, I, and musical I up, poems. Yeah, I, know, right? <laughs> I love you, you love me, <laughs> that kind of shit. And I was writing it in Spanish. Te amo, te quiero, te adoro. Necesito, all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Trip on Spanish songs. Like we listen to like the old one, like Los Dandies, and um, those bands, Leo Dan, mm. and it, it's, it's good. It's a good ballad, but then it gets soft, and then you hear just the, the singer venting about what how he wrote that song, <laughs> like. Desgraciada puta. Te fuiste con otro. 
pero duermes conmigo. Tan, tan, tan. We had a, we had a song like that on the album. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, a, uh, like a TV novela, like coming to life on a song. <laughs> María, ¿cómo tú puedes hacer esto? Desgraciada. Tan, tan, tan. Oh, like, when you were like, when you guys do a lot of shows as a, as a Spanish band? Uh, back home, back in Kansas, yeah. I mean, we we were. Uh, That's big over there, right? Yeah, that Tejano really music is big over well, there in the Garden cool, City. The coolest thing about uh, you know being at that age, I was just a teenager, and and there was a great scene. Um, so a lot of bands that like real touring bands, like Los Bukis, Los Temerarios, Los Tigres del Norte, damn, um, used to come out, and they found out that there's so many Latinos out there that are willing to pay to come to a show. So we had this like fairground out there. Um, near the Arkansas River, and they would have rodeos out there. Well, this promoter came in, and he started booking all these bands, So, but they didn't have any openers. So we were basically the best band out in that little area. So you guys would open so for those we dudes? So we got to open up for, like, all those, like, Bronco, and, again, Los Tigres, and I got to meet all these guys. And I, How I was they? starstruck at that point because – They were cool, like, huh? Yeah, I mean, to meet Broke. Los Tigres and Norte. And, and here I am in, a, in, in like, a, like, I was in a biker rocker jacket – with long hair, and I got the picture somewhere, but I'm hanging out with these guys, you know, um, in arms like that, and, and they're all like, you know, uh, tejanoed out. It's really cool. I was like, wow, these are my heroes. Like, I never thought I'd meet these guys. Um, but it taught me a lot, you know. But that's crazy, bro. Like, to be, that, that's like, that's crazy. That's, that's amazing to be like 16 years old in a fucking band, and then you open up for the Tigres del Norte. Yeah. Shit, bro, I'm getting the goosebumps just knowing that <laughs> shit. I mean, you're right there with legends, bro. Salieron de San Isidro. And then you're over there with your man, when you're trying to be rocky shit. Yeah, yeah I like this, but I want to rock, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, ultimately, that's what led me out here. It's like, I, I'd rather wear, you know, a, a leather jacket and, and eyeliner and, <laughs> and still sing. In Spanish or English, and, and still rock out, you know. Te gusta música del diablo, cabrón. <laughs> Dime nomás. No quieres ser católico. And you coming out here to LA? You right, You wanted to be in a band or thing, but did you have an affinity for Hollywood and the West Coast and you know Los Angeles and shit? Or really the, that's where it's at. That's where yeah. they record records. I mean, is that what brought you out here too, I or no? I never knew anything about about anything really, to be honest. I mean, not that I didn't know anything about anything, but like I didn't know anything about like the music industry or how it really worked. I didn't it's know where to get brother. started. Um, I didn't know where to get started or who to talk to. I just figured, you know, God's going to put everyone into my place. You know, just stay f focused and, and people are going to come into your life. Man, so God put the wrong the, people in my I place. I mean, just, just like this. <laughs> just, just like this situation. <laughs> who would have thought like, I would have met you like Jesus, three, three, three years right later? <laughs> That's hilarious. Dude. But yeah, you know, you, you, you can never tell. So when I moved out here, I was pretty green to it all. Um, Luckily, I got in good with a lot of great people, and uh, it's what's kind of kept me in the know. And that look that you're rocking is pretty much particular to L.A. with, like, you know, the Guns Roses, Molly oh, Crew sure. and shit. It was pretty much born in, like, you know, Hollywood and shit. Absolutely. That whole scene. That you were a party with Runaway Chicks in Hollywood? Yeah, I, th I think the first time I put on, you know, black nail polish, it was all over. I was like, okay, time to get a glittery scarf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dog! Hell yeah, dude! I remember, I remember going. I remember going home. I remember going home one time, and, he, and at this point, at this point, like I, I thought, like you know, here I am, the rock star now. You know, years later, I went back to visit my folks, uh, and I get off that plane, that little charter plane. I'm thinking, and I'm the there. only guy flying on this plane, so I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, hey, look, what better? I got this whole little plane to myself, and it's just the pilot and co-pilot. So it lands. Um, in Garden City, like right outside, 
And I get out, and it's like winter time. So, you, you know, it's freezing cold, blowing winds. My hair is going. My scarf is going, right? And you and can I'm, see your and, house. And they, they, lower, they lower the fucking uh, stairs for me, right? And I'm getting out. And I'm putting my hand up like Paul Stanley, you know, like waving to the crowd, like like the Beatles just got to America. And I'm just going like, <laughs> I'm going like, hell yeah, come on, right? And there's nothing but, and, you, and if you looked around, there's nothing but cows grazing, you know. And you smell the feedlots, you know. And it's just like, <laughs> and my my mom and dad are basically like looking at me through the window from their porch, they're so flat over there. They're looking at me, going, "What's it, what's he doing out there? Like, what's he like? Get inside." <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that. That was. Your homecoming. <laughs> yeah, it really was. And then my dad looks at me and he's like, he looks at the eyeliner, he looks at the like the black nail polish. Convertiste mujer? Who are you now? What happened here? <laughs> damn, that damn, that would have been shocking. Like you, like the I first time I got an earring, my dad said, "Ya eres puto." Like I got two earrings, you know. At first I had one, then I had two of them in the nineties. My dad thought I was like gay already, or yeah. there's something wrong with me. But damn, dude, that would have been shocking. You wearing full on makeup. You know, you have long hair. You know, you got your jeans. You're in Garden City, one of the flattest parts of America, where they pretty much your mom could see you get off the air, get off the <laughs> airplane from her porch, <laughs> and you're out there like the rock star, bro, that you are. They must have said, "Man, yeah, man, we didn't come to a mix America for this shit." Yeah. <laughs> My son should be working in an office right now. He should be a lawyer. He should be he should be running a company. Que cabro, me chingados. The way my mom's seen it, you know, since I am the youngest. Because moms eight, are cool, man. Yeah, you know, four boys, four girls. She said, you know, I'm the last kid, so she's like, eh, go do what you want. You know, at that point, <laughs> you know, all her expectations either either you know were accomplished by other kids or, or they weren't. She's like, yeah, by other kids. <laughs> <laughs> by her other kids. No, but she's like, your, eh, that's just, lo que te gusta, mijo. Yeah, your dad's so. just thinking about him drinking with his friends later and looking at him in Spanish. Pues tu hijo ya vieja, ¿no? They're probably looking at his... Dads are just thinking about what the fucking friends are going to be thinking about his shit. Because they don't want to be drinking his shit and the conversation switches from talking about the fucking... the, the, the college football team to long hair guys. You know, the coolest thing, too, is, like, even out here in L.A., like, I remember going to, uh, I don't know, like, Downey or something like that, uh, and where, where, they, where they, were, they had, like, karaoke at some, like, Mexican restaurant. Acapulco, Acapulco restaurant, probably, right? Yeah. yeah. People and, and rock I remember, it, I remember going in there. I remember going in there with, like, you know, my hair all up and, again, you know, all rocked out. And I signed up, and everyone's like, oh, what the fuck's this guy going to do, right? Oh, exactly. And dude. then I get up there, and I do some chin thing. They're fucking and haters did, at did. the Acapulco. Acapulco yeah. uh, and Downey are haters, bro. If you, if you <laughs> they fucking, don't even know what the fucking rock look is. It's they like, don't know dude, the fucking rock look. I, up so I get, up, um, I get up on stage, and If you're going to sing chin thing, that's my song, by the way. Which one? There's always that karaoke guy. Don't sing chin thing. They know, me. Does chente oh, yeah. they know yeah. me as chente at this place, so oh, yeah. please don't sing chente. You got it. You got it. I'll do... I'll, I'll, I'll do... Uh, do you get that, though? Like, they get, they get, yeah. and Acapulco, in fucking Acapulco restaurant in Downey is fucking... They're over there. They fucking... They hold it down over there. They fucking, it's still going on. I mean, it's yeah, still going yeah, on, bro. Wow. But they're like, they're like bullies over there, man. Like, they got their own crew there, man. Elitists. Uh, elitist people <laughs> there, man. Like, everybody... Like, I know, man, if you're not... If you've got, like, an unknown trying to sing a song that another person that... A regular there sings. Yeah. They they hate on you like um. You're gonna sing actually. Volver volver right now. 
Whoa, this black guy right here. That's his song here. <laughs> so uh, what up, happened, bro? You fucking... Big up to Downey, by the way. It's a great, great city. I love playing there. <laughs> so what happened, bro? Did you fucking put on chanting? Did oh, you let her have like, it or what? I get up there and they're like, they're expecting me to do like, I don't know, like Paradise City or something. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, and they're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Uh, is this <laughs> Rigo Tovar. <laughs> you know any Rigo Tovar songs? Oh, God. If you name some, I could probably. I remember. can't name one right now. Which one? La, la Something de La Something? La Reina del Cumbia. <laughs> is that right? I think so. So you, said, you, you, so you went to. What were you doing in Downey? Just hanging out with some chicks? We used to actually. Uh, well, when we first started Matador. Um, oh, for the karaoke thing? You were performing Montebello at a place called Wild Coyotes or called Gotham's. No, they have bands no, there? No. We used to perform at the Stardust. Remember that? In the Anarchy. Anarchy On Library? Sunset. Yeah. No, no, no. No, that's right, right there, there in Downey. Downey. Yeah, yeah, I know like, where the Anarchy like Library Whittier, is. Whittier, Downey. Right, Star, they're, they're yeah. Both those places are still around. The Stardust? Yeah, when we first started Matador, we used to play everywhere because, like, we, we didn't want to do the whole pay to play thing. Like at, at, like on the on the strip. So we were like early for, on. We were like, explain to people what pay to play is. Well, pl- pay to play is basically you know like a you, bringer. Yeah, if you want to if you want to play these clubs in Hollywood, uh, you have to go through a promoter, and they basically you're buying tickets. You you buy like say two thousand dollars worth of tickets, and then you got to sell them, and then you got to promote your shows, and then you come back, and if you actually sell all those tickets. And whatever money comes in after that, then you get a cut. I mean, I think that's is that how it still works. I've never really done it. Fuck that shit, man. To. They, yeah, they, they try like, to pull that shit on me when I first started, man. I said, man, you know what, man? I don't know 20 people, man. <laughs> and um, Yeah, like pay to play. Like, fu- really? Like, okay, I was at... St- they call it bringer comedy over here in L.A. Like, when you start doing comedy, they give you like this. Yeah, man, we're going to have a comedy show, sell these 20 tickets. Yeah. But you get nothing. That's the problem in comedy. You know, they, they treat, you get nothing yeah. out of the bringer rooms. Yeah, that's basically what it is. And and then I think when I moved here, like a lot of the bands that were performing on the on the Sunset Strip weren't even like bands that deserved to be on the Sunset Strip. It was just like rich kids that, or or could kids with money, that. I should say. I shouldn't, you know, but like that could afford to do that, you know. And so at the whiskey, I remember going and seeing like eighteen year olds playing, and all their high school friends would come out because their parents probably afforded them to play there. Yeah. So then you're left with the, like a bad taste in your mouth and going, "This is what the Sunset Strip is." It's like no. You know, so we decided as Matador when we first started just to play all these hole in the walls. We we we'd go down down to San Pedro and play this like Latin coffee house library thing. I can't remember what it was called, um, but it was clear out in San Pedro. Now we did shows for free all the time, but we drove out there, played the music, sold these demos, and then drove all the way back the same night. You know, it's just how it's how you're supposed to do it. You know, and if you're lucky enough to get you know, anywhere with it is because you deserve it. Not because, you know, you, you were, you know, so you made money off the demos, off the demos. Yeah. Uh, enough to make a enough sandwich. Gas, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> That's what I would do when I, when I would do all these comedy shows and I knew like, yeah. fuck man, these motherfuckers are going to pay me there. Okay. How many people are going to be there? And I say, all right, a hundred. Okay. I'm not being promoted. Okay. A hundred people. I'll bring five CDs. You know, yeah. and, and, then, and then you do, you do the math in your head and you're like, Oh, I'm going to come out ahead. But then you end up staying like late. Watching the other acts, and then and then Do the promoters say, "Hey, you, know, you use your tab up." You're like, "Now you owe me for the rest of it." Like, really? I didn't. That's not my tab. You're like, fuck. So you got to get the money right back. Ever happened to you, man? When you do a show and you let the Blues Brothers at the end of the show, you owe them money. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That's not my that tab. Works. 
Yeah, no, and, and I remember we uh, we weren't able to do a lot of these shows. Not able, but like no one was calling us because the, the Spanish rock scene in L.A. again was a lot poppier than who we were. So I remember we worked with a promoter. Um, Lencho. Yeah. Lencho. Yeah, something like that. He uh, he did these shows at House of Blues, and we're like, okay, you know, let's let's do a show with this guy. Did he have pointy boots? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we got on the bill, and there was like, I guess some uh, the the main band came from uh, I think Mexico or something like that. So we we were in the middle slot, but they were very danceable kind of rock, you know, like anything from Depeche Mode to Cure that kind of stuff. The girl that played with her band before us sounded more like. You know, I don't know, like Alanis Morissette, that kind of the kind Sundays of or something like that. And well, it was danceable music, but like when we got on stage, we cranked the uh, amps up, and it was more like pump your fists in the air. This is fucking rock and roll. We're on the Sunset Strip, and everyone kind of shied away, although they liked it. They didn't know kind of how to receive it. You know, it wasn't that right crowd. So the promoter never booked us again. You know, he said, "You guys are too loud." Whatever. And um, so we took it upon ourselves to actually book our own nights. We would rent out the venue. We would sell the ticket because we became our own promoters. Basically, we did the conga room, the troubadour, the you know the wish, DIY, the, the coconut teaser. We used to we used to do Damn. residencies at the coconut teaser. We would play twice in one night. We would play acoustically downstairs, and then by midnight we'd run upstairs and play a full on live show. Um, but that's just how that's how it works. I mean, that's how you, I think that's how everyone should do. Damn, that's DIY till I die. Till I die. Are you listening, people? <laughs> <laughs> Out of all those people that showed up in that van, the first 12, how many are left? <laughs> of the first 12 that came to Hollywood. When you guys came from Vegas and then you guys oh. got the van and went well, to no, LA? Originally, to yeah, no, originally, there was only three of us that actually came uh, to, to move out here. Um, my brother that came to pursue acting. I came to pursue music, and then a friend of ours, it's like a brother, that just wanted to get the hell out of a small town. And he's still here. Uh, my brother moved to Houston. Uh, he's got a wife and kids now, and he's doing great. But uh, three of us uh, moved out here, and two of us still remain. And, um, yeah, it's just he's, I st you know, still live with him. He's like my brother. So, uh, you know, it's still a good, a good fit. We watch each other's back. Hell yeah. Yeah, those 12 people in that band. Oh, in the original the band. original band. Oh, okay, I think you meant those 12 guys that came yeah. over here. Okay. Um, well, the original band that I was in, Ritmo Latino, out of those 12, how many came out here? Just me. All right. Yeah. You were one of the 12, one of the disciples, bro. Yeah. Ritmo Latino, that was a, uh, I'm on a, I'm on a pilgrimage story. right yeah. now. I'm spreading the, spreading the word. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you, do you have a, do you, um, what was it like, like when you first saw those Tigres del Norte? Were they cool as hell? Oh, fuck yeah. They rock on. Do you guys know, you guys know Conjunto Primavera? Yeah. Okay. That's that was my first band that I ever opened up for. That's the guy that um, Grupo, uh, Grupo Primavera. No, I'm sorry, that's another band. I was thinking of Grupo Vida. Okay. Yeah, my bad. And they were, they, they, you know, they were a ranchera band, and uh, we actually did a three nights with them at this uh, at the same bar that we were playing. Um, and uh, that, I, re I remember cooking carne asada like like before the shows out in the back alley. They used to have this. Um, this tiny house behind the club between the alley, right? And uh, they used to get all these waitresses with no papers and bring them up, and then they used to, like, turn tricks out in the back. Um, awesome. I never went there, of course. I just knew it existed. 
That was, that's, when you, that's, a, that's when you met that guy from Vivid. No. <laughs> <laughs> he discovered yeah, me in way, Kansas. Yeah, all the way, all the way from Garden City. <laughs> in that little, in that little house. So what's up, fool? What's next? Uh, Danny Love. Danny Love. Next on the plate, basically, I got I got a lot of things in the works. With Matador right now, I'm actually recording a lot of songs. Matador, people. It's spelled Matador. Yeah. M-A-T-A-D-O-R. Matador. Um, I'm, I'm working right now in my home studio, just writing a lot of uh, new material. You have a badass home studio, by the way. Oh, it's the kind of house brother. I'm going to get when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of house I always wanted to clean. It's, it's all a facade. It really is. <laughs> Paper tiger. Behind the curtain, there's like, you know, there's the, the Oz. It's, you know, there's somebody working the, the dials out there. But uh, next, on, next on the plate, I, I got some stuff working out right now. If anything, yeah, just check out, check out my website and, uh, you know, for all the latest. What's up, fool? DannyLove.com. That's D-A-N-I-L-U-V.com for all his Matador and Kiss My Ass dates. And check him out at ReverbNation.com. Matador rocks. And ReverbNation.com, Kiss My Ass USA. Reverb Nation, Matador Rocks, ReverbNation.com, Kiss My Ass USA. Rodrigo Torres Jr. at Rodrigo Torres Jr. Twitter. And then find all my social networks and tour dates at July. I'll be at the Bray Improv. All my tour dates on Felipe'sWorld.com. And we're going to go check out our song right now. Right? Absolutely. We're going to play a song for us, Pooh? For sure. Thanks for, ha- thanks for being here with us, man. Hey guys, thanks for coming out, It was an honor man. hanging Having out me. with you, checking you out. I know you, you probably say the motherfucker's a stalker now. Good He's times, seen me man. at places. <laughs> He's following me secretly. I thought, I, <laughs> dude, I thought I've seen him, like, in between. Like, when it, you know whenever you turn around, you feel like someone's watching you? <laughs> that was probably that's me, bro. Yeah, that's so him behind, behind the weeds. Just I'm like, the only one that <laughs> hangs out at Burbank, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only other Latino out here, right? The only one, bro. Fanaticism at its finest. The only one, my friend. All right, fool. What's that's it? What's up, fool? Let's go check out that song. All right, this song is uh, about my dad and um, about dads in general, Latinos that uh, come over to you know this country to better themselves and and for their families and you know most uh, most parents or dads that you know don't show emotion. Latinos that just have a hard way of you know really showing that to their kids and showing that they you know. Uh, have a soft side, so to say. So, um, yeah, right. So it's like after, after seeing all their accomplishments and everything that they've ever uh, been able to do for their kids and, and their kids as kids, um, they sit back, and then that's when you see, like, you know, your your dad will come over and, and start crying when he, he tells you he tells you about the past. And I you here for a better life. <laughs> just all this uh, all this emotion does come out, and, and yeah. it's well deserved. Uh, so this song kind of goes out to. You know, all those dads that really, you know, put themselves out there and um, don't ask for much in return. Uh, so this song's for my dad. This song's called Ioro. Cerros, familia y trabajo. 
nos enseñan el dolor y en sus huesos.
y lloró, people. That's deep, bro. That's like, that, that, that's personal, man, because even to, like a lot of dads, a lot of Latino dads, no matter what you do in life, they never say, I'm proud of you, cabron, or I love you. You did it or you made it. They just sit there like an asshole crying, eh? <laughs> crying. Yeah. yeah, the same look. They're like crying from the inside. He wants to say I'm proud of you, but he doesn't, eh? Because to do that, that means he's not a man. <laughs> that was a beautiful song, man. I like Thank that. You. That was deep. Oh, very well, deep. Thank you guys truly for actually uh, having me, having me on, and uh, oh, and, let, and let me express uh, my music and and, uh, and who I am. And uh, I want to thank the city of Los Angeles for really accepting me out here. Uh, I don't have any plans on leaving. Thanks, guys. Ah, yeah. Hollywood dreams, fool. Arriba la raza. Pictures. My name's Ellie. It's my husband Pete. Oh, we had to have three kids. Critics and audiences are falling in love with Instant Family. Mark Wahlberg, Rose Byrne, Octavia Spencer in a real life story that's relatable and totally entertaining. Should we give them a kiss goodbye? You guys are overthinking this. It's heartwarming and hilarious. There you go. The biggest surprise of the holidays. We might have a little bit of a knack for this. Eh, I beg to differ. Instant Family in theaters Friday. Rated PG 13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.